Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, people of all ages. This is Sutton, the soccer dad. I'm joined by Houts MD. What's up, guys? MC Money. MC Money. Yeah, I'm here. What's host. going on? Here we go. Oh, What's going there on he tonight? Is. What up? What up? Thank you. We got. We got to give. We, were... so we got to give Sutton his his head start in the broadcasting world, and you know, making it happen well here on Finsider Radio. I mean, so, I was getting ready to launch into quarterbacks and quadrants and all that good stuff, and I was really happy to introduce you as the creepy member of Finsider Radio this evening. So why don't we get started? Yeah, you know, go, going back and, and welcome everyone to Finsider Radio, as you heard, and start off the show with, oh, with sorry, everything sorry. there. Offense. Everyone, bust the center. All right. Okay. So you know we heard Sutton start. We heard Sutton start the show there. That's great. And, Perfect. And, and go on and and introduce everyone to the show. And we're just going to keep on going tonight, regardless of how many penalties are called against us, regardless of whether they're warranted or not. And we Can will talk throughout that? the entire awesome. show. The ball was illegally touched, but it was also re- and it was then recovered by the kicking team. However, there was a holding by the receiving team, number 57. That penalty will be enforced from the previous spot. That will replay fourth down. All right. None of those penalties are warranted, okay? Nothing of that is warranted. And, and warranted. we saw that. We saw it. It's not warranted. And we saw that with, <laughs> with the Dolphins versus Saints, right? How many times throughout the game on Sunday – did, was there a penalty that was called that was just outrageous? They didn't need to call it. Yes, maybe it was a penalty, but they were nitpicking so badly on Sunday morning. It, it was absolutely ridiculous. The number of flags that were thrown in that game, not only on the Dolphins, but the Saints too, but more so the Dolphins. It seems like everything they tried to do was was a flag, and that's what you just heard at the top of the show. Even they're getting on us now. We're trying to introduce the show. Sutton's trying to introduce the show, and they're throwing flags on us. So it's, it's the same concept here. Nothing is warranted, but they're, they're making us pay for something that's not our fault. I don't get it. I don't get it, boys. Well, and you guys know I'm the international relations guru for Finsider Radio. I interact, <laughs> interact frequently with our European fans, and yep. they had a terrible product to watch on Sunday with all those penalties. Oh, it was absolutely awful. The, the scoreless game, so I'm I'm really 
pouring my heart for all those European fans that made the trip and saw that kind of product on the field. Yeah, but you know as what? You, as you guys, can I just say something? Now. You guys know I'm the the guru of uh, watching men wrestle in spandex, and this reminds me of when I was a, a young kid. I think it was Survivor Series in Montreal when uh, Bret Hart got screwed over against Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon rang the bell prematurely. This is what it reminded me of. It was the Wembley screw job, and the Dolphins got screwed. It was absolutely ridiculous, and it's not like, and we're going to talk about this more, but it's not like the Dolphins were completely inept on offense. If you watch the game, they were making plays. They were making something happen, but every time they made a play, the, it got called back because of a stupid penalty that the referees wanted to throw the flag on. And, yes, everyone complains that their team gets flagged too much, but I am pretty sure that anybody who was watching the game would have a gripe with the number of flags that were thrown. It's like they were told by the NFL offices, you got to make this game interesting that we think the Dolphins are going to get blown out because they're terrible right now. Keep it close and and do whatever you can. But that doesn't make sense either because all the flags are on the Miami Dolphins. It was just, it was just ridiculous. It was stupid. And it's not how the game needs to be played. And that's my rant on penalties. And I hope you guys got the joke in the beginning of the show with all the flags coming out at us as we were introducing everything. But, you know, that's, I'm sure that's how the Dolphins felt. Every time they tried to get something going, nothing happened. So the Dolphins sit at 1-2 and two now on the season. And it's a little weird because every time I look at the schedule, it says week five or week four, but the Dolphins are week five, but the Dolphins are really in week four. So, so it's a bit confusing there. It will eventually shake out once everyone starts getting their bye weeks in. Uh, but the Dolphins will always be one week behind, it seems. So they got the Tennessee Titans at home on Sunday. And is it time to start panicking? Is it time to start freaking out and calling this a lost season? Here's what Adam Gates had to say. I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're panicking, then you're in the wrong profession. I mean, your job's come out each week. It's a new week. Start over. You had 24 hours to, you know, bitch and complain about everything. Now it's time to go back to work. And really, everybody needs to look themselves in the mirror and realize, do your job and things will go right. So we do apologize for Adam Gates' language, but we don't control the audio on that one. Hopefully SB Nation has not come after us for that. But anyways, Adam Gates says it right there. Son and house. If you're panicking, you're in the wrong profession. And not one person on the Dolphins is panicking. Listen, the Dolphins were here at this point last year at one and four. Different issues, different problems, but similar results. I mean, it's, it's kind of creepy and kind of weird just how similar the seasons have started off. You look at last year where the Cleveland Browns' Cody Parkey, who's now on the Dolphins, misses a field goal to give the Dolphins a win they shouldn't have gotten, right? That, that was a little later after the first game. I think that was week three or something. But the Chargers missed a field goal they should have made, and the Dolphins won a game they shouldn't have. And now they lay eggs against the Jets and the Saints, just like they laid eggs last year. And then there was that one game last year where they just completely turned it around. And that was due to Jay Ajayi. But even when you look at the quarterback, yes, quarterback, uh, <laughs> you, you see similarities between how Ryan Tannehill started last year and how Jay Cutler starting this year. Ryan Tannehill was absolutely atrocious in the first few games of the season last year. And it was at the point where everybody was calling for his head. And Adam Gase went up there week after week after week and defended Ryan Tannehill, doubled down on Ryan Tannehill, said that he's the starting quarterback for the rest of the season unless he gets hurt, and everyone was just going to have to deal with it. And then things started clicking. But for me, House, and I know you're a huge JHI fan, which is why I'm going to have you lead this conversation. Last year, the Dolphins snapped out of it because of JHI. Who is, if anyone, that person on the Dolphins team this year that can help, snap the, Dolphins, that can help the Dolphins snap out of this funk? I mean, my first response was to think maybe Jay Ajayi again because, I mean, he's the heart of the offense. Everything kind of goes around him. But for me, it's Jay Cutler. I think we saw him preseason, most notably that game against the Eagles. He looked like a real quarterback. He was able to make plays downfield, find the open receivers, and it just seems almost like he's being handicapped and maybe they're trying to be a little bit more conservative with him and try to have him not quite lose the games for him. But this team's only going to go as far as Jay Cutler. And when you got a guy out there, I mean, you saw it. He's making some – terrible decisions he's making some bad passes and I mean if, if you got a defense that's coming out there and, and they know what Jay Cutler's bringing to the table currently I mean 
why not load the box and force him to try to beat you? Because even when he has those single coverages on the outside, those one-on-one matchups, he's still – I mean, he completely overthrew Parker a few times. He had some some just boneheaded plays, and, I mean, it, you're not going to go as far as your quarterback. And we can hand J.J. the football and let him do his thing 200 yards last year in a couple games. We, the J train, but if, if you have a quarterback that isn't able to make those throws when given the opportunity, I'm not sure that this season will ever be turned around. So, and I don't know if you have anyone in mind that you think can snap the Dolphins out of this phone. Well, it's interesting. Yes, there are parallels to last year, how we started off poorly, but you also have to think about the fact that when we came into this year, we had much different expectations about this team. And it's not like we just lost to the Patriots and the Chiefs. We just lost to the Jets and the Saints. Okay, much different quality product there. So it's tough to see if we're going to be able to turn this team around like we were last year. Now, last year, the catalyst for change was the offensive line. You guys remember Brandon Albert went to Gase and put it on us, and the offensive line was opening up massive craters for J.H.I. to run through, and he did it with devastating effect, and that Pittsburgh game really catapulted the 2016 team turn that right around can that be done again absolutely so I'll go with the offensive line again but it seems like the interior of the line is still having some issues there so I'm going to put this on Mike Pouncey and I know that seems a little bit weird but he has not played well so far this year we knew coming into 2017 that there were going to be some growing pains because this offensive line just hadn't had enough snaps together. The same can really be said about Jay Cutler. I know Adam Gates is not going to use that as an excuse, and nor will we. You know, there's just no excuse for not winning ball games. But Jay Cutler coming in late to that offense, not having enough snaps together, there were going to be some growing pains. I just don't think we as fans realized it was going to be this egregious. The offense has looked really, really poor in the last couple games. So I'm going to put this on the offensive line, specifically Mike Pouncey. Let's get that interior of the line short up. Let's open up some gaps for JJ to run through and let's make some plays. Come on, dogs. Yeah. Speaking of offensive line, Sutton, um, and we're going to get a little more into this as the show goes on. But Laramie Tunsil has been struggling for the first two games of the season really turned it around against the state. He had a PFF grade of an overall 81.3. He was one of the Dolphins' best performers against the Saints. Um, you know, part of that was because he only saw Cam Jordan on his side of the field once all game, but he did hold up well regardless against the other players uh, on the Saints. He impressed in running pass alike, surrendering only one hurry, which was in garbage time, and creating running room with some strong blocks on Sheldon Rankings in particular. Now, some exclusive takeaways from that game with Larry Tunsil in terms of specific grades when you're talking about the run and the pass. He had a, um, like I mentioned, he was ranked in one of the top half of the tackles that, that happened uh, throughout the NFL season on Sunday. And, and, you know, that's just a huge turnaround for someone that was really struggling. And people, you know, just like everyone else, called for everyone else's head last year. And people were calling for Tunsil's head this year saying, oh, is he a bust? Is he ever going to turn it around? Is he going to make the impact that everyone thought he was going to make? Is he better suited at guard? And, yes, it's only one game, but you need to take the, uh, the positives and kind of move along with it. And certainly Tunsil can build on these positives that he – took away from the game on Sunday versus the Saints. You know, against the Jets, when you're looking at that, he um, he allowed four quarterback hurries against the Jets, and his overall grade was 49.5, which ranked 47th of all tackles in week three. After the Jets game, his overall grade was 45.6. So, again, a tremendous turnaround for Laramie Tunsil and let's hope that he can continue it forward. He had a, against the Saints, he had a run-blocking grade of 83.3, a pass-blocking grade of 80.7. Like I mentioned before, he had one quarterback hurry after allowing five hurries, two hits, and two sacks through the first two weeks of the season. 
Now going from a 45-point-something grade, his grade now for the season is a 63.6, 38th ranked of all tackles in the league. So we'll touch base more on the offensive line, but I agree, Sutton, that Jay Cutler and um, Jay Ajayi really need to turn it around. Speaking of Jay Cutler, the Dolphins drove down the field in that first drive of the game, and they looked like a different team. And, and I'm sitting there like, all right, here we go. You know, they're going to go toe-to-toe with the Saints. They're good. And then they get to the five-yard line, and then Jay Cutler makes a stupid, stupid throw. Was that throw supposed to go there? Was that play designed that way? And why the hell did Adam Gase call that play when you had Jay Ajayi on your roster? Let's hear what he had to say. I mean, there's a couple of specific coaching points that will be made clear when we, when we meet with the guys that I'd rather see done differently. And, you know, there's a couple of things that need to happen because Jay's throwing a faith throw. So we need guys to do things right. And protection, the route, the way they played it, where we're at on the field, wasn't really an ideal call that, it, that I wanted. But, you know, had about one second to make that call considering he had to come to me, run 40 yards. So first one I could think of and – you know, we just need guys to execute that play better. Sutton, I'm going to start with you first on this one. When you look at that play, we don't know what the progressions were for Jay Cutler and the offense. I do know, and we know, that Julius Thomas was lined up wide, outside, one-on-one, versus a cornerback that was several inches shorter than him. If I'm a quarterback, I'm looking at that first as well. But for you, do you think Jay Cutler made the right move by going to Julius Thomas in the corner of the end zone? This is one of those plays where there's a couple things going on. And when you look at one of the still photos, when you look at the other side of the play and you see Jarvis Landry coming into the middle with some space, you wonder if that's one of the reads there. But let's go with what happened. He threw it to Julius Thomas. And in that situation, like you said, there were several inches difference. Julius Thomas is 6'5", and I believe the corner he was going against was 5'10". So that's seven inches right there. But when you saw that throw, so let me backtrack just real quick. I think it was a combination of Julius Thomas not playing the route that hard and a poor throw from Jay Cutler. And Julius Thomas has some basketball background, as do I. And you want to give those taller players, those bigger-bodied receivers, you want to give them a chance to use their body to, quote-unquote, box out the defender. And he never had a chance to engage in that kind of way. The throw kind of led him too far, so he's not able to use his body to create separation. He had to kind of go with the momentum of the cornerback and he already kind of had a jump on the route and made the pick and and made the play in that position you got to you got to put a little bit more arc on that throw and give Julius Thomas a chance to use that height to his advantage and the throw wasn't there but it also didn't look like Julius Thomas played that route very physically either I agree with you, son. And, House, if you're the coach on the sideline, what are you telling Jay Cutler and Julius Thomas and Jarvis Landry and the others when they come back after that play? I mean, it's easy to say it as a fan because you're sitting there and you're watching it. But, I mean, we talked about earlier what this team needs to do to turn the season around. I think a lot of that has to do with play calling because, I mean, we can all admit Adam Gase, maybe the execution hasn't been perfect, but his play calling this season has been uh, lackluster to say the least. I mean, that play call, you got first and goal from the five-yard line. You got Jay Ajayi, a guy who can pretty much – he can try not to get yards and still end up picking up two or three yards. So, I mean, the personnel might have been right, but if it were me, I might have spread them out, maybe use that single back and run Ajayi. But, I mean, based on the reads, like Sutton said, you don't know if maybe Landry is even one of them, but you see that mismatch on the outside. You got Julius Thomas, uh, a tight end who's done things in the league and you see that mismatch you're going to throw it up there I, I don't think Cutler made a very good throw I don't think Julius Thomas even looked like he tried to get off his his coverage and if you're Adam Gase you got to be pissed because that was as close as the Dolphins got that game um, in my opinion that was the game changer because you get in there you score you go up 
seven nothing, and the whole your first drive of the game is a success. So for me, I, I'd be a livid. I, I'd tell Cutler you got to throw a better ball. I got to tell Julius Thomas to get his shit together. And overall, I'd be mad at myself because you got Jai. You got to at least try to run the ball once, if not twice, when you're that close to the end zone. And, and Adam yeah, Gates uses the excuse that he had one second. Hold on, son. Adam Gates uses the excuse he had one second to get that play in, but. I mean, you're on the five-yard line. I think your first thought should be give the damn ball to JHI, buy yourself some time, think about what you're going to do while that play is developing, and then go from there. I think that's a lame excuse from Adam Gates. Definitely. Yeah, and just to speak to House's point about the play calling so far, I decided to just look into how Adam Gates' offense has done in the first half since he's taken over for the Miami Dolphins' offense. And what I found was a little bit surprising, so I just want to share it with you real quick. 15 of 20 games under Adam Gase, we've had one touchdown or fewer in the first half. And nine of those 20 games, we've had zero touchdowns. So, and, and those are the scripted plays of the game, and I know we've talked about this a little bit on Finsider Radio so far in previous episodes. But with the way this offense is playing right now, I believe it's going to be a question that becomes – into the forefront of more Dolphins fans' minds. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And Adam Gase, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think Adam Gase is a great coach. I don't think he's suddenly lost his touch. I think when you look at the Saints game, you notice that there are a lot of issues going on with the players. Jake Cutler hinted at it this week in his press conference where he said the guys on the team need to do a better job of working together as a unit and not as individuals. Adam Gase said it. And a lot of players have said it. Stephen Ross loves Adam Gase. So for whoever is listening and you're thinking that Adam Gase is going to get fired after this season, I can tell you, you are 177% wrong. Again, you are 177% wrong. Adam Gase is going nowhere even if he does not win another game this season, I guarantee it. Adam Gase has several years here in Miami to do what he needs to do. I cannot tell you how much Stephen Ross loves Adam Gase. In fact, Stephen Ross has told people close to him, this is some information I received the other day, that he thinks Adam Gase is his next Don Shula whereas previous owners before him had Don Shula, he thinks Adam Gase is his Don Shula. So if you think that Adam Gase is getting fired in the season, after this season, you are sadly mistaken, and it is not going to happen. But I digress. So you both had very good points there in terms of that specific play. But the offense overall is an absolute mess right now. So what does Adam Gase have to say? What does he think? is going on with this offense. Listen in. They did exactly what they've really been doing, you know, to start the season out. thought defense played really well. You know, I mean, they they kept us in the game as long as they could. Um, Offensively, we just got to – we have to do what we're coached to do. We have to be more detailed at what we're doing. And that's where we're putting ourselves in bad situations because we're just not – we're not getting it done. And we're we're not doing things right. So that's basically what we've all said, you know, all along this show thus far. It's the mental errors. It's, it's the not doing the right assignments. It's doing things on their own. And if the Dolphins want to turn their season around, they need to start doing the things that they're being coached to do. And it's ironic because Adam Gase and Vance Joseph were saying the same exact things last year about the defense. Remember, it wasn't really the offense so much that was stuttering. It was – but it wasn't this bad, and it was more so the defensive players not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Then, when everyone started figuring out on both sides of the ball that they had to start doing what the coaches were telling them to do, things began to turn around. So we'll see. The Dolphins are home on Sunday for the first time this season. Even though London was a home game, they obviously had to travel. They've traveled over 16,700 miles this season which is two-thirds of the way around the earth because the earth's circumference is just over 24,000 miles. And that's more than half the NFL is traveling this season. So it's absolutely insane 
the number of miles they have traveled thus far in just three weeks. So when you look at the offense, everyone points to the quarterback, right? And we know last year that Adam Gaze doubled down on Ryan Tannehill. And he was asked the same thing about Jay Cutler. And here's what he had to say. Well, I just I know where I know where the ball is supposed to go. I know who's supposed to do what on every play. I mean, if we protect him and give him a second to, to throw the ball, we'll be all right. If he's going to get hit from start to finish, I don't care who you put back there. No. We, we need to do a better job of protecting him, being where we're supposed to be. There's some things footwork-wise that he's going to get better at. I mean, he knows where to go with the ball. And I just, you know, we're going to keep working on doing a good job protecting the football when he gets when things break down in the pocket. And, but we can't let him just get you know, take hit after hit after hit after hit and then expect him to stand in there. It's not going to happen. So Jay Cutler against the Saints had a grade of 50.5. He was pressured on half of his dropbacks against the Saints. And we saw that more often than not, he wilted under that pressure. He was sacked four times. He threw one interception, which was the one to Julius Thomas. And while he was under pressure, he put up a passer rating of just 43.1. So, Sutton, is Jay Cutler afraid to get hit? Uh, well, first of all, I'll admit I didn't believe we would discuss Earth's circumference tonight. So, <laughs> I, I just want to... I just want to give you a shout-out, MC Money, for bringing out the encyclopedia and dropping some knowledge yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. But it's hard to disentangle what's going on with Cutler, and let me elaborate just real quick. In that Saints game, they threw one pass 20 yards down the field or more. One. And when you can't get your running game going and you throw one pass down the field – you're asking a lot out of east-west separation, and that's – we haven't been doing that too well. And now this, that's not to say there haven't, hasn't been some positive pieces on offense. You know, you, you heard um, – or we may hear later uh, Gates compliment Anthony Pisano with the way that he's been playing. Kenyon Drake, I thought, had some good snaps against the Saints in week four. Devontae Parker has kind of lived up to the off-season hype, so I hope that he can continue that upward trajectory. But when you're looking at a game, when you only throw the ball one time 20 yards down the field, you're not giving your offense a whole lot of variety there. And this offense made quite a few plays down the field last year between Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry with his yak. There were times where we made big plays last year, and we have just not been able to manufacture any of that. And we're not going to be able to stay in these games if, we, if we're not going to try to march the ball down the field. Now, I know we've taken a couple chances and missed, but in that Saints game, to only go down the field one time, that doesn't seem like sound game plan strategy to me. I don't know about you guys. House, what do you think about that? I mean, for me, uh, you got a guy, Jay Cutler, a guy that's getting ready to be a broadcaster. He's 34 years old, kind of settled in with his wife and kids, and you get called up by your friend Adam Gase, and you come and play for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, our offensive line's not perfect. He's going to take some hits, but I, I definitely think he might be back there. He might be, you know, might be a little bit more worried about making business decisions. I'm, I'm not saying that Cutler's scared to get hit, but, I mean, you got a guy that was – the whole offseason he was thinking he was going to be a broadcaster. Now he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, we know the Saints' defense isn't as good as advertised, but he, he was definitely not – he didn't have the time. The offensive line wasn't giving him time. And there, there was just no run game. And when you don't have a run game, uh, defenses realize that, and they start to stack the box. They start to take risks that they might not take. So, I mean, I, I do think Jay Culler, I mean, he, he was definitely – they were definitely in his head on Sunday. And in order to have success moving forward, I think that he needs to get over that. The team needs to – the offensive line as a whole needs to get better. I know Sutton said earlier, Mike Pounce, he's been a huge disappointment. You got Jawan James, he's he's been a huge upside for this team. And I just think overall, if the offensive line starts to play better, they start to get that running game work, and Jay Culler will be more like the successful Jay Culler that Adam Gase had in Chicago rather than the one we've seen his first few weeks. 
I mean, just imagine us doing this podcast every Wednesday night, right? And we get a call saying, come play in the NFL. Yeah. We'd probably be we'd probably be a little bit rusty too, you know, and and that may happen to us this year. And we might get a phone call saying we need you to come play in the NFL. So we are prepared. You're for out it, there, but, yeah. and, but and when you're out there raking leaves, doesn't doesn't that take effect really on your body? <laughs> are we really prepared, or are we saying we're prepared? That may have been Jay Cutler this offseason. A few grades on Jay Cutler here, some sobering sobering grades, I should say, on Jay Cutler. He is ranked 28th out of, what, 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL per PFF. That obviously is not good. He is passer rating versus pressure is 56, ranked 21st. Versus the blitz, ranked 60, uh, 60 grade, ranked 30th. Short throws, 88.7 rating, 20th in the league. Intermediate throws, 69.4, ranked 27th. Deep passes, 78.4, ranked 19th. Big-time throw percentage, 1% ranked 31st in the league. Turnover-worthy throw percentage, 2.6% ranked 8th in the league. Time to throw, 2.49 seconds, ranked ninth in the league. So, boys, I don't know. We'll have to see if Jay Cutler can snap out of it. But we may be too harsh on these quarterbacks. And Adam Gase, I think, kind of agrees. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I heard when I got here, Ryan couldn't play. That was wrong. So the evaluation skills of everybody's quarter, about quarterbacks is really bad. So I'm not going to listen to anybody outside myself. Adam Gase dropping that bomb during his press conference this week, doubled down on it again the other day and today, saying, you know, people cannot evaluate quarterbacks the right way. And we know we have our Twitter GMs and our Finsider Radio gurus and, our, and everything else. And, you know, if the head coach in the NFL and offensive genius is telling us that we don't know how to evaluate quarterbacks, I think I'm going to listen to the guy who gets paid millions of dollars to do just that. Before we move forward, I do want to give one special shout-out to my cousin, Eric Gleason. It is his 30th birthday today, so happy birthday, Eric. Uh, thank you for listening. And I know you're celebrating with a cigar while listening to Finsider Radio. All right. So the blocking uh, on the offensive line for the Dolphins, we kind of touched on this early in the show. The Dolphins want to turn it around against the Titans. They're going to need to get that run game going. And uh, – We've seen some really bad blocking by the offensive line. We've seen some really good blocking. We had Jawan James in the first part of the uh, season thus far, the first two games, do really, really well. He struggled against the Saints. He went up against Cam Jordan most of the game. That's, that's a tough task. Laramie Tunsil improved this game. Pouncey, is, I think Pouncey is what he is at this point with his injured hip and, and all the injuries he's suffered over the years, I don't think you're going to see much more out of him uh, in terms of getting to the elite level that he once was. The guard positions are a hot mess right now. I think Jermon Bushrod, I think he has one more bad game and he's going to get benched. Um, and then and then you got left left guard, you got the rotation there in and out, and, and that's a whole other problem in itself because one guy – simply is not grabbing the job. Right now, you know, it's Anthony Steen and Jesse James rotating in and out. You want to see Isaac Asiata there, but he has not been able to crack the lineup. But here's what Adam Gase says about the offensive line and how they've been doing blocking their opponents. Well, some of it, it's just, some of it is the defense does a good job and they win some one-on-one matchups. Some of it is we don't get the ball out soon enough. Some of it is we didn't run the right route. I mean, it's just it's, it's something different every time. And we can easily get this cleaned up if we get more guys doing exactly what they're supposed to do, play in and play out, and we'll have more success. But when we have, you know, all these leaks in the dam and we keep trying to plug all these holes, that's when you're going to find your – that's when you're going to get in trouble. And if guys just come out and do what they're supposed to do, we'll be fine. All right, so – Again, if guys do what they're supposed to do, then it's going to be fine. And this has been a common theme in the press conference this week from Adam Gase and the other players on the team. If guys simply do what they need to do, the Dolphins are going to be fine. And we're going to have to, have to see how the Dolphins somehow try to open up holes against the Tennessee Titans. When you look at the PFF pro football focus grades, for the Titans, their defensive line is good. You got Brian Arakpo. He has a overall season grade of 82, ranked 22nd at his position. And then you look at defensive uh, ends, Jarrell Casey, 
overall grade of 81.5. And you look at Daquan Jones, defensive end, position rank of 37. Derek Morgan, linebacker, 76.5, position rank of 43. Now the base defense for the Titans, guess what, boys? They run a 3-4 defense. The same 3-4 they saw versus the Chargers. The same 3-4 they saw versus the Jets. The Saints ran a 4-3. But for you, Hout, if you're JHI, if you're the offensive line, how are you going to attack this 3-4 with with Terrell Casey manning the right end? Very good player. With Jaquan Jones manning the left end, another very good player. With Sylvester Williams right in the middle, 70.9 PFF grade. Brian Arakpo. Derek Morgan as the linebackers on the outside. You got Wesley Woodyard in the uh, left inside linebacker, 82.1, ranked 13th at his position. The only weak link there is Avery Williamson, right inside linebacker, overall grade of 47.9, ranked 56 in his position. So for you, how, how are you attacking this 3-4? You bounce into the outside. Remember, their cornerbacks, Logan Ryan on the left side, 77.9, grade position rank of 41. And then on the other side, it's not as good. So I'm giving you a little hint here in terms of how the Dolphins may decide to run because you have Adore Jackson, Adore Jackson with an overall grade of 43.7, position rank of 90. And then behind him, you got the North Searcy, overall 48.1, position rank of 59. So how else I threw all that at you, but how are you attacking this 3-4 defense? Yeah, man. You're expecting me to remember everything you just said. There were lots Absolutely. of numbers. I'm, I am Absolutely. confused as all hell. For me, you're going to run Ajayi. You're going to run him uh, to the left side. Is, is that the correct answer? I really don't remember. You're going to use that play <laughs> action. You're going you're gonna to try to beat the Titans deep. And, I mean, the whole time I just had a joke in my head, and you kind of ruined it. But I, I just wanted to give a, <laughs> shout out to give a shout out to Sutton. But the best way, the best way to open those holes is with an aggressive – the best, can I just get this out there? The best way to open those holes on the offensive line is with an aggressive push rod. That that's that was my <laughs> that that was what I was contributing. I had that in my head this whole time. You threw a bunch of numbers at me. What what do you think, Sutton? <laughs> that was awesome. I'm sorry. Man. I'm sorry. You know, you, and you know I'm partial to bush rod jokes, so that really touched me in all the right ways. Now I mean. When you go to this game, and I know we're kind of fixated on what the Dolphins' offense is going to do against the Tennessee defense, but then you have the Marcus Mariota injury interplay here. How you know is he going to play? Are we going to be playing against Matt Castle? So that affects how aggressive the defense can be. So there's going to be some interesting factors that we're not going to know about until just about game time, but. Let's say Mariota plays, and let's just say we're lining up uh, motto e motto and see how this is going to work out. The 3-4 itself doesn't really do anything for me. Houts really said it. We have to get Ajayi going because if we can't get him going and we can't get play action established and we can't get – anything vertical going because the defensive line is getting pushed against us. We're going to be right where we are before. When we turn this thing around against Pittsburgh last year, it was all catapulted from the the running game. So I look for Jay Ajayi and Mike Pouncey, ironically enough, we haven't talked about this, had said that there, that some fights broke out and practice today because people are getting chippy. So I'm hoping that we that we come into this game, this home game, with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. People are pissed off that they haven't met expectations yet. So let's come out and I think fans overblow the chess match that happens between coaches and coordinators and stuff. More often than not, these games are decided by who wants to kick ass more. So if we come out and we want to smash that other team in the mouth, guess what? We're probably going to win the game. So let's see if we can get a, if we can get a Jai established and he's really the emotional centerpiece of this offense for this year. If we can get him going, then we're going to be fine. If he's getting met 
two yards in the backfield every run, and he has to make every run by himself with yards after contact just to get two yards, then we're going to be in trouble. If we can get a J.J. going, then we're, we're in good shape. Yeah, and you mentioned Marcus Mariota may play, may not play, and today he was limited during practice. Really, it's the Friday participation, the Thursday and Friday participation that you're really looking at there in terms of whether or not a, a player is going to play on Sunday. All signs are pointing to him not playing because they did sign Brandon Whedon uh, yesterday, and yesterday being uh, Tuesday. They did sign him. That points to him not playing, which would be a huge boost to the Dolphins. And I don't care what anyone says. People say, oh, we want the Dolphins to beat the other team at their best. No, no. The Dolphins are not at their best. The NFL is a game of, of lucky breaks and skill, obviously, and talent. But a lot of luck goes into that, too, depending on the way the ball bounces. If the Dolphins don't get Mariota on Sunday, listen, they win, they get the two and two. And they're right back in the thick of things. Uh, this is stupid. You know, people saying they want their best playing the other team's best. But I digress from there. When you look at Marcus Mariota, he's a great player. He is a dual-threat quarterback. He has a overall grade of 73.6, position rank of 20. Is he lighting the world on fire right now? Absolutely not. He is not. But he can, he can pick you apart if he wants to, and especially with the Dolphins' defense, which has improved and did do pretty well against the Saints, I will say. When you're on the field for that long in the second half, it becomes almost impossible to maintain your energy and to maintain your stamina and really get to the level that you want to be at to stop the offense, especially like the Saints. But they are improving. The uh, Dolphins' defensive line will have a tough time against the Titans' offensive line. There are a lot of matchups where the Dolphins don't match up well here. But what do we know from this? We know that when we look at the Jets game, the Dolphins matched up extremely well against the Jets in almost every single position. And look what happened. You're right, Sian. It all comes down to who wants it more. And we will see that on Sunday when the Dolphins take on the Titans at Sunlight Stadium, when they have their home opener, and we'll see if they're pissed off over the past two games and find some fight in them to really start turning this season around. And we're going to get into more in a little bit in terms of the cornerback and Cordria Tankersley in his debut. But for now, let's go to the live thread. And Sutton and Houts, you're going to take that over and read the questions and answer the questions. What do you have? Let's go, uh, let's go with Houts first. All right. There's a lot of nonsense in here, like usual. We appreciate that. Um, <laughs> there's always nonsense. <laughs> there's some Ray Malaga talk. No one cares about that. Give me. I'm still weeding through it. One second. All right, here we go. Sorry, I have a you, couple yeah, questions. Go ahead. Redwood, I know you're going to talk a lot about color more tonight, but what I specifically would like to address is what exactly would it take Gase to actually bench color and go with more? Uh, I'll throw that happening. one in Sutton. That's not happening. Well, Canada can answer it. It's not happening. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't Sorry, think Redwood. it's going to happen, guys. I, mean, <laughs> I guess paid. it's not happening. Go ahead. The so there's literally nothing. 10 mil. Okay. I mean, Adam Gase, no, let me answer. Shut up. Adam Gase went out and got Jay Cutler for a reason, right? I mean, he could have sat with Matt Moore. He didn't have trust in Matt Moore at this point, and Adam Gase has doubled down on Jay Cutler plenty of times this week and said it is not his fault, okay? And, and you, could, you could say it's Jay Cutler's fault all you want, but Adam Gase is saying, no, it's not. And if Adam Gase says it's not, you got to believe Adam Gase. And even with the wildcat play that everyone's making fun of Jay Cutler about, for being disinterested, because, well, it's Jay Cutler and that's an easy target. Adam Gates said he did it perfectly, and that's what he was coached to do, and then he got an A grade on that play. Next question. So, same person, Redwood, he asked, Bill Simmons mentioned on his podcast this week that if he ran the Patriots, he'd make a run at Landry. I know the trading deadline isn't until November, but with Landry wanting to get paid and rumors he was shopped this last offseason, is there any chance he might be made available, especially if things continue to go wrong and the Finns start to panic? No, Jarvis Landry is not going to the Patriots. (laughs) I was just going to say it's a business, so all all things will be considered. But from the Patriots' standpoint, you already have Amendola and Cooks. I, I, I guess I don't know 
how many slot receivers you need if you're the New England Patriot offense, considering how much you already throw to your running backs and your tight ends. I feel like you'd be looking for a perimeter wide receiver there, but what the hell do I know? So I, it doesn't seem plausible to me, although it's kind of interesting to talk about, and there's been plenty of AFC East incest over the years with players going to different teams within the division. <laughs> But I don't see Landry going to the Patriots anytime soon. I, I think we learned our lesson from Wes Welker. I don't think we're going to be trading a borderline elite receiver that plays in the slot. We're not going to trade him to the Patriots again. I just, I just don't see that happening. Listen, Wes Welker was not Wes Welker when he was in Miami. That's and Adam true. Gase is not going to trade Jarvis Landry to a division rival. Never mind the Patriots. Next question. Yeah, the only other one I see is from uh, 39 is number one. He just said any word on Stefan Anthony. Do uh, you have anything on that, Kanata? Because I do not. No, I don't have much on that. Yeah, haven't heard anything since he's been traded. Still not sure just if he tra- wait, checks just, out just completely wait, medically. Just to wait and see yeah. approach. Still and now the right side. Yeah, now that Timmons is back and Alonzo's there, they're going to get the lion's share of the snaps anyway. So, even if he's fully healthy and everything, I don't think we're going to see that many snaps from him throughout the year. Anything else on the live thread sign? I think that's it, bro. Yep, that's it. All right, we have a caller on the line. We're going to take him in. 209-817, who are you? What is your name and what's going on? Show yourself. Uh, it's Josh from California. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right here. Um, I guess I was wondering what grade you would give the Dolphins' defense last week against the Saints. I thought it was impressive to hold uh, Brees to only three points the first half, and then they obviously were on the field a lot longer than they wanted to be. And um, what when do you think the offensive line is going to change up a little bit because of their performance so far, like, when is Jesse Davis going to start playing more? And um, when are we just going to see some changes? Son, do you want to take this one, Joshua? Thanks for calling. Yeah, Josh from California, thanks for calling. Yeah, the defense definitely deserves some cred. Cordray Tankersley, I don't know if we'll get to him the rest of the show, but, for you know, Drew Brees went right at him the very first play from scrimmage the Saints had. And he didn't back down from the challenge. I thought that he was very competitive and showed some real skill out there. So I think that was something to build on. You saw some good snaps from Charles Harris. So that was good to see. You saw some good snaps from Vincent Taylor, our, one of our fifth-round defensive tackle picks. You actually saw, even, even though our, our friends at PFF don't agree, I saw a good, couple good snaps out of Devon Godshaw. So you like what you see out of the defensive line already, and they've been pretty consistently good throughout the year. Cameron Wake has been playing at a pretty high level. William Hayes has been playing at a very high level. Dominican Sue has been playing the way that Sue, that we expect him to play. Now going over to the offense, it is interesting that they have been kind of platooning in Jesse Davis and at guard mostly in the second half that I've seen so far. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But I, I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if it's because if it's a conditioning issue, if it's really, you know, just kind of a, a new age thing to rotate your offensive linemen in like you do defensive linemen and keep people fresh and the trenches going on into the fourth quarter games. So, uh, I, I'm not sure what to make of that, but I think the one thing that we've neglected with the offensive line so far with our conversation tonight, and we've kind of touched on it in different parts, but Jawan James played very well in the first two games, but not so much in the in the third game against the Saints, and vice versa. Laramie Tunsil didn't play so well in the first two games, but played very well in the in the third game. So if we can get our tackles to play well at the same time, and have a couple opportunistic blocks from the interior of our line because I'm not sure how that's going to play out still yet. It's kind of messy to 
disentangle on tape, but if we can get a couple timely plays from the interior line and have our tackles playing at a high level, then you'll see the offense change. Trust me. All right, Josh from California. Thank you for calling in. We'll talk to you next time on Finsider Radio. All right, let's go to Twitter and Rob Caruth. Um, Caruth. Caruth. (laughs) He got his own little, uh, you know, well, Carew has nothing, there. so we got Carew, so we're good. Carew! All right. So, actually, I'm looking at this, and his <laughs> questions were from last week. So, we're going to skip those because they are kind of out of date. We've already touched on all of that. A little bit. Just make Let's one just up. make one up. All right. Uh, Rob asks, why is uh, MC Money the greatest podcast host in history of podcasts? And, son, do you want to answer this one? Yeah, because he calls everyone around him creepy to make himself seem normal, and then he tries to use, and then he tries to use big words like quadrant on us and talk down <laughs> to us like we don't know what he's talking about. That's how I he really does don't it, sometimes. He, it's it's manipulation through power. Uh, yeah. Okay. Are you done? Yeah, okay, done I said. just made that up. Good question, Rob. Are you, are, are, Good question. Are, are you all set, guys? <laughs> Can we move on? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> All right. We, we can move on. I don't know. I feel like we have plenty of time to roast you right now. So I feel like if sure, I give Hal, sure Rob if I give Hal sure. another like 10 seconds, he'll come up with something like <laughs> Twitter viral worthy. So maybe I'll just nope. buy him a little bit more time. But nah, I got, we'll go ahead. I got, house, I got house, is the king, house is the king of roast. All right. <laughs> Gareth, Goddeth, Goddeth, Millen, Melon, Goddeth, Melon. I'm not sure if that's his real name or not. Who knows? Goddess, no. Uh, that's a porn site, dude. <laughs> I doubt yeah. his name is Goddess. <laughs> What's up, uh, Goddess Melons? He asks, when was the last time we had an interception from our defense? And, and I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is to that. So that's my answer to that. Yeah. All right, JT Seymour. It was last year sometime. <laughs> Next. JT, his username is at JT Burgers. Uh, that's a good one. Thanks, JT. Uh, does this poor start justify trying our young players at more key roles? Grant or Carew, maybe. Thanks, Finsider Radio. And he also says we should change Jay Cutler's name to Butler. It's always the Butler who kills you at the end. Well, uh, JT uh, getting getting a little <laughs> dark. Like that. that was good. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Houts, Houts, I know you're the uh, young player guru, so do you want to answer that question for us? That sounded, that sounded creepy. Am I, is that a creepy <laughs> joke? Oh, <laughs> I, I love long play. Uh, okay. Um, Jakeem Grant and Leontay Carew, I mean, I was a huge fan of Carew. I think Jakeem Grant has a, a role in this offense. I, I would like to see both players utilized more, but, I mean, this offense is doing anything with Devontae Parker. Kenny Stills or Jarvis Landry, so I'm not really sure bringing those guys in there would really make that big of a difference. Uh, I do like to see more Kajaya Tankersley. I mean, he's really starting to make a name for himself. He looked like the best cornerback on the field this week, and it's not saying that much, but he looked like he fit in the NFL. And then you got Charles Harris, who he's really coming on as a pass rusher. So, yeah, I definitely think now's the time to see these young guys do their thing, but Ultimately, I'm not sure if it would make a difference in the win category, so we'll we'll see going forward. All right, and, uh, you know, speaking of Cordrea Tankersley, he was very impressive in his debut against the Saints, and so impressive that Adam Gates had high praise for him, and here's what he had to say. Uh, it was good. I mean, you know, it was what we were hoping for. You know, I know he was excited when we told him earlier this week that he was going to be starting. So the biggest thing was we were – we wanted to be careful because he hasn't played a game in a month, and we were we thought we had a good plan going into it, and then obviously it changed right before game time. Is he the starter now? Yeah. There is something in particular about his game, his style that you particularly like. And he's just really what we what we're looking for. We, we like the you know tall, you know long corners that come up and, and press and play physical at the line of scrimmage. So there's some undertones there, too, towards Byron Maxwell when Adam Gay says we like long physical corners, like to come up to the line and press. Anyone who watched the Dolphins play knows that Byron Maxwell is very afraid to press because he's afraid he's going to get burned. And that is not how an NFL cornerback should react in game situations. But anyways, instead of me roasting Byron Maxwell a little more, I'm going to go back to Cordria Tankersley. 
Cordria Tankersley on the defensive side of the ball. He had a very good day. He um, started and played 73 of a possible 74 snaps. He earned a PFF grade of 79.2, 26th best for all cornerbacks in week four. He allowed only 36 yards on seven targets thrown his way. And Adam Gase said he is the starter moving forward. On the other side of Tankersley is Xavier Howard, and he's been having a rough season. He graded out at a whopping 38.4 against the Saints, 93rd for all corners in week four. Allowed four targets thrown his way, three call for 43 yards, was charged with two penalties in the game. His overall grade of 37.0 for the season ranks 106 out of 112 qualifying cornerbacks. And I would have to guess that that is not a good thing. So, Sutton, when you look at the Dolphins' secondary, Nate Allen struggling, 42.2 PFF grade, position rank of 74. Rashad Jones being Rashad Jones. Looks like he may have lost a step here, here and there, but I think it's more so because he's trying to do too much and cover up for a lot of other people. Javion Howard, really bad, really, really bad. Uh, Bobby McCain struggled a bit against the Saints, gave up a lot of yards. I think over 100 yards he gave up, but he hasn't been terrible the whole season. Titans have good pass catchers. They have Delaney Walker. They have Rashard Matthews, who we all know. They have Eric Decker, who's lost a step, but he's still a good receiver. They have Taiwan Taylor, who's not much of a threat. Remember, they also got DeMarco Murray coming out of the backfield. Sign, how, how are the Dolphins going to defend the Titans? And then remember, you can get Derrick Henry coming in, too. And, again, it's not really the defense that has been too bad uh, the first few weeks of the season. It's been the offense, but the defense can implode at any moment. For you, what are you looking at versus the Titans side? Well, again, if we're going against Marcus Mariota, we're going against Matt Castle, it really influences things. But, A, Got to give props to the run defense and the way that they've played so far. They've stepped, in a, uh, they've stepped up in a major way compared to last year. And the run defense last year was poor. And it, it's nice to see that that's been shored up in some major ways so far. I believe we're in the top ten in run defense. Now, it's interesting, the secondary is – quote-unquote, roasted as they've been. We're not giving up that many points. I believe we're top 10 in points allowed. So you can't be that you can't be that mad at how the defense has played so far. I mean, we just gave up 20 points to Drew Brees. So you expect if you only give up 20 points to Drew Brees that your offense can win that game for you. We gave up 20 points to Josh McCown. But again – that's a game, if your defense holds to 20 points, you can win that game. That The defense held you in that game. They gave up 17 points to a Phillip Rivers-led team. Now, we were lucky enough to win that game because we made some plays. We actually scored against the Jets and the Saints. We just could not get it done offensively. I just I, I don't think anything really is the matter on defense. I think because football is such an interdependent game and time of possession, I mean, think about this. We had 11 first downs against New Orleans. All game, 11. We had four first downs going into the fourth quarter against the Jets. We cannot expect our secondary to be on the field that long playing route in, route out, and have our offense go three and out that many times that we've seen and expect a high-quality, consistent product throughout the entire game. They're human. So the offense has to do their part. When the offense does their part, guess what? You're going to see the secondary ratings go up. All right, so that's the defensive side of the ball. And House, we talked about – what you would do on the offensive side of the ball with Jay Jai and how to run it there. But how would you attack the Titans secondary with Jay Cutler and the Dolphins wide receivers? For the Titans, their secondary, I, I mentioned Denor Searcy, overall PFF grade of 48.1, position rank of 59. On the other side, though, you have Kevin Bird, position rank of 16, overall grade of 81.5. He's pretty damn good. 
On the corners, I already mentioned you got Adoree Jackson, position rank of 90, overall grade of 43.7. You got Logan Ryan, uh, overall grade of 77.9, position rank of 41. So, when the Dolphins go to three receivers, and you add LaShawn Sims in there, overall grade of 57.2, position rank of 64. So, the matchups don't favor the Dolphins at all in this game. And we know the NFL is about matchups, but instead it's about who wants it more. So, for you, Houts, you know, based on what you've watched of the Titans and what you've seen and everything else, are you attacking on the grounds or are you attacking in the air? I, I'm i going to be honest. I haven't watched much of the Titans. I'll be the first one to say that. But, I mean, from as a Dolphins fan, as, as someone who follows the team, I think you're first and foremost, you're coming out there and you're running the football. And I think Mike Pouncey came out earlier today at, in one of his press conferences, I think he even said that, plan A, B, and C is to run the football. And I think if the Dolphins can do that successfully, I think that opens everything up with the play-action pass with, with Jay Cutler. And, I mean, you mentioned those cornerbacks, that secondary of the Titans. It's it's good, but it's not great. And you look at the Dolphins' weapons on the outside, they haven't really quite lived up to the hype or, or even what they're capable of doing. So, I mean, for me, I come out there, I run the football, I establish the run, maybe take some shots early downfield to kind of open things up. But overall, this team, I said it at the beginning of the year, I'm going to continue to say it. It's going to go as far as J.H.I. on the ground and what that opens up with Jay Culler. Uh, you got the weapons on the outside. You have the matchups, honestly, against any defense in this NFL. I think I like our receivers to go out there. They might not win every matchup, but they sure as hell can compete. And if you got a guy that can run the football like J.H.I., you can have that offensive line if they're all working together as one cohesive unit, which, like Sutton said earlier, they haven't quite done yet. I mean, each guy has a great game when the other one's down. I mean, you need to have that interior offensive line working together. Mike Pounce needs to become Mike Pounce because he's been a huge disappointment this year. Jawan James has been a stud. Larry Tunsil looked great last week. you got to have that run game working. you got to open up that play-action pass, and I, I think if the Dolphins can do that, that's their best chance of beating the Titans as far as on defense. All right, Sutton, any last words from you before we head off the air for the week? Nah, I mean, it, it would be nice to know that we've hit rock bottom. We won't know that until we go forward in the season. We've had this experience before. Last year, we opened up one and four. I'm sure lots of things were said during that period. What's going to be that that gets us over the hump? Is it going to be a position group? Is it going to be a player? Is it going to be a certain play? I'm very excited to wait to, to see this unfold and I just I, I can't wait to watch the next game. I'm not giving up yet. All right, House, any last words from you, buddy? Uh, all I can say is Marcus Mariota, I'm a huge fan of, of yours, but I, I really hope you can't play this week. Uh, Miami's run defense, as we all said, has been pretty damn good, but this two-headed monster that the Titans have is no joke. So, for me, defense, go out there, stop that run, and force uh, hopefully Matt Castle to beat you, and I think that's Miami's best chance of winning this game. All right, we'll see what happens on Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Sun Life Stadium. The Dolphins return home. I shouldn't say return home, but I should say return home for the first time since the end of last season. And that is crazy, folks. We hope the stadium is rocking and ready to go. The Dolphins hopefully will come out on fire and shut down the Tennessee Titans, get to 2-2, two and two, and start getting their season back on track. For Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, and for House MD, House Thomas, and House in general, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Pinksider Radio. We will talk to you next time. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.